Hello and welcome to iPhone Life Podcast. I'm David Averbach, CEO and publisher of iPhone Life Magazine. I'm Sarah Kingsbury, senior web editor of iPhone Life Magazine. I'm Leanne Hayes. I almost fell off my chair, sorry. I'm Leanne Hayes, a web writer at iPhoneLife.com. This is Leanne's second podcast. We're hoping by the third one she'll be able to stay on her chair. We'll see. I'm going to be short forever, so it won't ever work. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> We've got an awesome show for you guys today. Sarah and I are going to give you our hands-on HomePod review, which we're really excited about. Uh, but before we get started, uh, we want to get to all of our other favorite topics. Uh, We're going to start with iPhone Life Tip of the Day. So if you haven't checked it out, make sure you subscribe to iPhone Life Tip of the Day. It's our free newsletter. Go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips to subscribe. Uh, And my favorite tip from this week, and this is actually one of my all-time favorite tips, so I'm excited to tell you guys about it, and that is how to tell which apps are draining your battery. So it happens pretty frequently that for some reason, all of a sudden, your battery will start draining way faster than it used to drain. And until, I think this is new to iOS 11. Am I correct in that? Or is iOS 10? I think it's iOS 10. Okay. But t- before iOS 10, you used to be able to just not know what was going on. Uh, and so the recommendation was to open up your app launcher and close out all of the apps. That actually, by the way does not save you battery life anymore, so you don't need to worry about it. That's my understanding, right? This is, I know this is a controversial topic. I mean, I don't know that it ever really has. Yeah. Unless, unless an app was, like, being glitchy, in which case closing it out would, because it would have to, you know, yeah. be open. But otherwise, they're not really using up battery in the background. Yeah, so that if I were to make a list of my top five app iPhone myths it would that would probably be number one i've seen so many people go and try to close out all of their apps to make their battery life better it doesn't actually use battery if it's a background with the exception of if it's glitching or if it's using some of your apps you can actually have uh use gps in the background and that could do it but instead of playing the guessing game now what you can do is you go you open up your phone you go to settings and then you go to battery and it will uh did i skip a step there nope battery and it will show which apps are using up the battery so then you know i mean to be clear though if you use a, an app a lot it's going to sh- be using the most amount of your battery and that's not necessarily a sign something's wrong it's just a sign you use that app a lot. So if you see Facebook at the top, the solution might be to like look at your social media habits. Yeah, well, okay. But here's a cool kind of bonus tip. First of all, you can toggle between 24 hours and seven days. Uh, and so you can see oftentimes seven days will give you a larger sample size. So it's less contingent on what you just use that day. But also there's a little uh, clock icon in the right corner when you tap it it tells you how much the app was using battery because it was on screen versus background processing and the background processing is often the hidden stuff right and so basically if if the battery use is out of proportion to the amount of time that you have been using an app that's a sign that there's a problem Um, but also you know david you mentioned the gps thing if If you feel like an app is draining your battery because it's tracking your location all the time, um, closing it out in the app switcher won't do any good. You have to actually go into settings and change that. Um, Is it under privacy? Your location settings. 
Um, you're already in your settings. Why don't you do it? Okay. Um, and then you, usually apps will have, you know, only on only while using, never, or always. And so you can adjust that. So it's privacy, location, location services, services, and then it shows you by app, and it shows you, uh, like Sarah's saying, it'll show you if it's it gives you a little the GPS icon, and if it's purple, it's currently in use. If it's gray, it means it's been in use in the last 24 hours. And so this is a really nice way. I do recommend going through this periodically because sometimes apps are tracking location that they have no business tracking your location. Right. Uh, and most of the time it's benign. They're doing it so that they can like give you the right notification at the right time or something. But nonetheless, it's worth going through and making sure that you're only sharing your location with the apps that you want to share your location with. Right. And also because it saves your battery. Uh, I want to play a super fun game called What Apps Are Draining Your Battery slash uh, What Apps Do We Use The Most? You guys game? Um, no. Okay, cool. <laughs> Open up. Let's do it. Uh, and we're going to, while they're opening up, we're going to make this our question of the day. So uh, send us an email. Let us know what apps are draining your battery slash what apps you use the most. So as a reminder, go to settings, battery, and then it'll show you. I can go first. Uh, not surprisingly, Facebook uh, in the last seven days, four hours. That's not terrible. Four hours in seven days, right? Not terrible. Back me up here, people. Uh, yes. <laughs> Instagram is next, followed by mail, followed by messages, followed by podcast, followed by Chrome. So I could have told you that. That like that, those are the ones I always use, uh, and all of that is on screen time. There's a uh, my podcast app though. I'm discovering has about three hours of background processing, so it is draining my battery a little bit. So um, I have actually Safari five hours in the last week. Is that because that you not have the Facebook apps, or are you using Safari to access Facebook? Um, no, it's because I think partly because um, for some reason, although I've deleted the I think there's just some kind of uh, bug with um, with Yahoo right now because I've removed the account from my mail app and reinstalled it multiple times and it only sends the mail every once in a while and I kind of feel like someone who still uses AOL because like but Yahoo is my main email account mm. so I check it several times a day and then while I'm online I end up you know clicking on a link in an email and browsing and I'm I'm tempted to help you debug it, but I have a feeling you know all the tips that I know. The fetch I've, versus... I've gone yeah. through all of it. All right, all right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> One quick bonus bonus tip, because we're way off in the weeds here. Make sure you're using IMAP and not POP for your email, because POP email is a really outdated way of looking at email that really gets screwy. So I know Sarah's not doing that, but I'm reminded of that tip as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and then news, I've been reading a lot of news and then this is incredibly embarrassing. Um, <laughs> so you were allowed to just not tell us them. <laughs> no, I think I Sarah is a very okay. honest yes, person. Yes, this is true. I've been playing a lot of 2048. Oh, I love it. What's your... I, I love 2048. What is it? It's a game. It's like basically you move tiles in different directions and, you know, they start out in twos and fours and you add them up and you're trying to get a tile that's, um, 2048 and then, you know, you can go on from there. Yeah, 2048 is child's play. 
<laughs> I, I don't know. The highest I've gotten is forty ninety six. Oh, I've, I've gotten the eight thousand tile. I haven't. The only times I've had two forty ninety six <laughs> tiles, there's been like a two tile in between. Yeah, them, so I'm I hate like, that. You know, there's no way you can come back. From I that. feel like this is a rabbit hole. I should never go down because it's, I'll spend hours. Yeah. I know I, I will. Had this I can't app do it. Deleted from my phone, and then <laughs> while I was at CES with David, I noticed him playing it, and I was like, <laughs> oh, I remember how much I liked that, and now I'm remembering why I deleted it from my phone because I like it. So this this can be one of our apps we're featuring today i guess it's free uh and addictive apparently it's very addictive it's the only game that i play honestly and it's it's because it's the perfect amount of challenging but doesn't take too much of your attention like some of the games that are like too engrossing it's like no i don't want i i I don't want to pick up my phone and do it for a couple minutes but this is like if i'm in the line i can just play 2048 so it's really fun uh okay so leanne yes I have Sleep Genius for uh, 58.4 oh, yeah. hours. Now, okay, app. what percentage of your battery? Because this was the for those is of this, you who don't listen regularly. Days? Yeah, this is last seven oh, days. Oh, right, because you sleep like eight hours a day. Hopefully. That's the plan. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for More those of I you <laughs> who didn't listen last uh, episode, that, that was Leanne's favorite app. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm curious now to find out, is it draining your battery? Um, it says it's used 26% of my battery, so it's not terrible. Um, and then I have Messenger, my regular phone, music, photos, messages. I don't know if there's anything else super exciting. Skitch for work, that's like only 2%. 39 minutes on screen, editing photos (laughs) in the last week. Uh, Kindle, YouTube, Pinterest... Uh, night sky just oh instagram is there facetime just sort of normal she stuff she spent 10 minutes in the last week on instagram wow i was at three hours which i was proud of myself i was like that was low <laughs> i don't i don't really follow too many people or have too many followers i just like the filters for my own purposes that's fair so i guess that's I about it for an me hour on instagram okay well clearly i won the instagram game Yay! I liked your picture of your dog. Yeah, I know. I was like, you're on Instagram. You like my dog photo. I do like your dog photo. All right, so we got way off in the weeds here. Send us an email, podcast at iphonelife.com. Let us know what your most used apps are. And, like, let us know, like, what surprised you with it. Like, was there something in there that surprised you that you're using a lot? Did you use Facebook more than four hours? Did you beat me? Uh, Send us an email. Next up, go ahead. Wait, wait. But if you want more tips like this. Sign up for iPhoneLife.com slash daily tips. I said that in the beginning. Donna's not here. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) there's too many tangents in the middle. If you want the premium subscription, uh, make sure you sign up for iPhoneLife.com slash insider. And we don't have a sponsor. So I am taking that sponsorship slot today to tell you about our awesome new guide, the iPhone 10 guide. I know I mentioned it last week as well. But if you have an iPhone 10 and you aren't subscribed to iPhone Life Insider, I don't know what you're doing with your life because this guide (laughs) is amazing. It'll teach you everything you need to know about your phone. There's so many little hidden tips and tricks. It's a it's a totally new UI, and Donna walks you through all of it. So, iPhoneLife.com slash insider to subscribe to that. Uh, and sometimes you guys send us an email when you subscribe from the podcast, and I really like hearing from you because it makes me feel like, hey, we're actually doing our job here. So if you do subscribe and you like it or you don't, either way, send us feedback uh, at podcast at iPhoneLife.com. Uh, and in addition to the guide, what you get, you get a daily video tip, you get a digital subscription to our magazine, 
and you get to ask Sarah questions, uh, hopefully related to your iPhone and iPad. Sarah, what was your favorite question this week? Um, I got a question from an insider who wanted to know how to change the default answer message on their iPhone. And um, that's interesting. I feel like a lot of people, voicemail is, is such a sort of basic feature that a lot of people never set up. Mm-hmm. Um, because... People don't even leave voicemails a lot of the time. Um, but, you know, sometimes you... I, I personally believe in setting up my voicemail even though I don't use it that much. And um, and then there's a lot of reasons, like professionally or whatever, that you should have your voicemail it set up. It seems important. Yeah. And then, of course, when someone's leaving a message, you want them to know that they're actually leaving a message for you. And so that's why it's a good idea to change the default message. And so what you do is you open the phone app and um, you tap the voicemail tab on the bottom right and then you tap greeting in the top left and then you tap custom and then you can just record your greeting and tap stop when you're finished and then you can play it back and if you think you sound weird you can redo it and then when you're happy um, you can just tap uh, what do you tap Um, you just tap save and then you will have and you can you know then you'll have a voicemail message and people will know they're leaving it for you and and it's it's a good thing i don't like leaving messages for like leave a message for this phone number i'm like i don't know can i tell you my pet peeve with uh voicemail like recordings like this the people that ask you to leave your name your number and the time you called because it's like first of all we all know how to leave a voicemail at this point and second of all all three of those pieces of information well at least two of them are already on your phone your number and the time you called right i mean that's from the answering machine days yeah yeah i think we can all move on Mm -hmm. can i tell you my favorite voicemail i've heard recently yes which okay for professional purposes you couldn't do this but i had a friend who recorded her voicemail as saying hello you've reached my voicemail don't bother. If you don't text me, you will not get a hold of me. <laughs> I mean, I have to admit, when people leave me voicemails, I used to just call them back mm-hmm. or text them and be like, hey, what's up? But now that there's voicemail transcription, you know, I, I have a little more information before I call them back or text them. I like when people leave voicemails because I so much of the time people call me that if I get a or so many so much of the time people text me that if I get a phone call from someone I actually can get a little nervous. I'm like, oh, this must be like an emergency or something. So <laughs> yeah. getting a like getting a voicemail that says hi, calling because of whatever, I'm like, okay, not an emergency. I can relax. No, I can totally. When my kids call me, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I'll stop and answer the phone because they don't use the yeah. phone app on their phone. Like, so it's got to be an emergency, right? Exactly. All right. Next up, we have. Uh, an email from one of our listeners from our question of the day last week. Uh, for those of you who didn't listen to it, last week we talked to Leanne about her phone fast. Uh, our last podcast, I should say, wasn't last week. Uh, and we asked you guys, would you go without your phone? Is there any part of your phone usage that you find to be unhealthy? And we got this message from Stephen, uh, and he said, Thank you very much for the podcast. You're welcome, Stephen. As always, I look forward to them. I don't think I could. I don't think I could go without my iPhone for any length of time, knowing that I could not uh, get to it depending on the circumstance. I depend on the iPhone for so much during the day. I learned a long time ago that the iPhone is an indispensable pe- indispensable piece of personal technology that has enhanced my life. It can be compared to a wristwatch. I feel that I need it. 
to prove this point, how many times has a person left the house only to realize they left their phone in the house, only to turn back around to get it? I don't think I have. If I'll pause there. I, I, it's true. Like, I never, I very, very rarely forget my phone places for that same reason. I'll actually, right. if I'm trying to remember to bring something with me, I'll put it by my phone because I always remember my phone. <laughs> so I, I definitely agree with this. Um, I don't think I have any negative habits. I don't agree with that for me. Uh, there are annoyances that I invoke, like as it was pointed out in the podcast, notifications from certain social media, but I turn them off as well. Personal technology, in my opinion, has enriched my life to the point that I don't think I would ever not have some type with me at all times. So I thank I'm you. I'm with Steven. I'm with Steven, yeah. Uh, thank you, first of all, uh, for sending us that email. And second of all, I agree with you. I think that that's one of the takeaways for me from having done the phone fast last year and having trying to live without it in Mexico is that uh, – it adds so much value to our lives. Yes, there are negative habits we develop that we need to learn to live, manage better, but I think it really enhances our life. And also, you know, it's possible to have negative habits that don't enhance your life without your phone. I think if you use your phone in ways that you find distracting from your life, if you weren't, you would probably be like watching Netflix or, you know, reading a magazine or something that you might not consider to have good value but also i feel like everyone deserves to relax which means not everything you do has to have like sometimes value. sometimes you got to play 2048 right. <laughs> exactly. this just makes me think of one of my favorite genres of novels to read is post-apocalyptic novels <laughs> now you know something new about me but um i have really not read a post-apocalyptic novel where the author discusses the transition the characters have to make from using uh, smartphones or other technology, they'll they'll talk about oh now there's no electricity, but mm-hmm. wow I I now I need to look and see if there are any short stories or novels out there that yeah. go into that they process. Talk about having to learn how to read maps again. No no they don't. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, it's man. just so interesting. Now I have so to lost. go. I have to go find some new <laughs> books or possibly write a short story. There you go. <laughs> What's your favorite post-apocalyptic novel? Oh my gosh. You opened a... Oh, I wow. know. Just one. You, okay. One. <laughs> okay. There is a series called A World Made by Hand, and okay. it's uh, the United States in a not-too-distant future where through political turmoil and a series of flus and crop failures... That's how uh, every post-apocalyptic novel starts. Well, some of them, it's one big, huge event. But yeah, some no, of I'm them, teasing. it's more realistic, yeah, yeah, yeah. where it's a lot of things stacking up. Mm-hmm. So his, it's J.H. Kunstler, and he's written four of these now, and I love them. Mm. Yeah. We will link to those at iphonelife.com slash podcast if you want to mm-hmm. check it out, so you don't have to spell Kunstler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next up, we're running a little short on time, so we're going to combine sections here. Uh, I'm throwing you guys for a, a, a curveball. Uh, so either app or gear that we liked or complaint slash learning. We're combining those sections. So it's a, it's a free-for-all. All right. Who wants to go first? I learned something. Okay. What did you learn? while I was uh, playing with my HomePod last night. Oh. Um, so you know when you're listening to like music and, and sometimes like – one song has a really loud volume and one song's really quiet mm-hmm. and it's a kind of annoying. <laughs> you you actually don't have to experience that annoyance. You can go into your Apple Music settings and turn on sound check 
Mm. And then oh. that will make the volume of all your songs the same. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. For the record, Spotify has that too for the Spotify listeners out there. <laughs> and the HomePod has it too. And I was playing with it and I was like, what is this? And I Googled it and that's I was like, cool. I should have already known this, but now I do and I'm really happy. Now you can share it with the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to do something cheesy and I'm going to recommend an app for Valentine's Day. <laughs> so it's this fun app. It's called 36 Questions. Are you guys familiar with it? No, Basic, I think I read a New York Times yeah, story. Yeah, there was a New York Times story oh, about it. Oh, okay, yeah. So, it. yeah, the, the psychologist developed this app, and the idea behind it was it was an app. I guess what he found was one of the keys to people falling in love uh, was, I can't remember the term, but interpersonal connection or some term like that, basically connecting on a deep level. And so he developed a quiz, uh, and it's a little process that's supposed to like make you fall in love with somebody (laughs) which that's what the new york times article is about we can Mm -hmm. post that as well i think all of that's a little bit silly nonetheless they developed an app uh and i think it's fun to do because basically it asks you 36 personal intimate questions and it's a fun process to go through with a friend or partner i've I've actually done it with just friends just hanging out and it's a fun because they're very like personal questions you really don't want to answer in front of people and so that's part of it is it like forces you to be like really vulnerable right away uh so fun have fun on valentine's day (laughs) yeah but what does it mean if your partner doesn't want to take the quiz they don't want to fall in love with you Mm, yeah i I didn't think that well it it might maybe it's not a good first date thing or maybe you could find the least personal of the 36 questions to ask i have never done it on a first date i think it would be an awesome first date thing it'd be super awkward but it would be like really turn I, it up to I eleven. I actually had that discussion with uh, with my partner about the thirty six. Really, that's awesome. About like if you'd want to like do that on the first date, and we both agreed like hell no. <laughs> Just you saying that actually made my palms start sweating, yeah, and they're yeah. still sweating. I'm like, oh gosh, no. <laughs> I guess um, I'm one of those people that's like, you, you'll you have to take your time you, to get to know me. <laughs> there you go. Everybody has their own opinions on that. Falling in love on a first date would be dangerous. I mean, not that it would really happen, but Leanne, let's move, let's move along. Okay. Uh, this week, I really enjoyed the Night Sky app. Oh, yeah. I love that one. Yeah. So what that is, is a free app. Yay, free. <laughs> and you can point your phone in any direction, and it will show you the constellations, the paths of planets. It also shows you satellites, which I had no idea how many satellites were until mm-hmm. I saw all the little, all the little images. And um, but I, I really have enjoyed being able to see where the constellations are and how they're moving. It's it's been really fun, and my daughter's into it as well. Cool, great. Um, yeah, I I love that one for. Uh, I mean, it's fun just to sit there and browse the night sky, but it's particularly fun if you're sitting out, you're looking at the stars, and you see something that seems like really bright or like a constellation. Like, what is that? And you can actually, you can do it two ways. So you can point it at the constellation, and it'll tell you. But also, you can do the reverse. So you can be like, "Where's Mars tonight?" And it'll like help you guide you to the phone, and you can figure out where it is. I hadn't used that feature yet. Yeah. That's cool. I, now I think I might be. There's a lot of different apps that are very similar, so mm-hmm. um, we'll have to compare whether we're actually talking about the same app. I'm yeah. sure they all have that functionality, though. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do it. Let's talk about the HomePod. So how was it setting it up? Okay, so um, spoiler. It sounds like you had a lot more problems than I had. I did. I it wasn't particularly smooth though, and I felt sheepish about it because when I had talked about the HomePod. 
before I got it, and I was comparing it, what I thought it would be like, to Alexa. I was complaining that Alexa was kind of difficult to set up and that Apple makes things really easy to set up. Um, it was a very simple process, but it failed for me twice. Only twice. Yeah, only <laughs> twice, thankfully. Uh, and for those of you who have the HomePod or planning on getting it, what I discovered that worked for me, first of all, you put the phone, all you have to do in theory is you put the phone near the HomePod and the little like icon pops up on your phone that says, do you want to set up the HomePod? You hit yes, it walks you through a few prompts and you're done. So in theory, assuming it goes smoothly, uh, it's really easy. In practice, it failed twice for me. Um, and what I learned is I had to hold the app, uh, my phone, above the HomePod and make sure my phone was on, hmm. which I don't know if that was just like, you know, correlation or causation, but it worked when I did that. I, I didn't have to, the position as long as it was close was not a problem. Um, but I got the error message. Like I started setting my HomePod up at about 1030 at night. Mm -hmm. and I completed Mistake it. number one. <laughs> yeah, I completed it. I, it's really hard for me actually to like, embrace new technology like when i get a new phone i sometimes wait days before i even open the box i don't know what it oh is i was me. i do the same really? thing oh i'm so the opposite i like we were cooking and my girlfriend and i were cooking dinner and i just like stopped everything and started <laughs> opening it and to the point she's like uh can you help me the stuff's burning <laughs> yeah i know you texted me and you're like your home pod's there on friday it's in yeah. the office and i was like oh i better go get it and then you know like the night before we're going to record the podcast, I'm like, oh, I'd rather wait another week before I open this box, but I'll have to do this. So, <laughs> so I started at 1030 um, and I kept getting the error message so many mm -hmm. times that I decided to just Google this and I found a solution. So if you have the same experience as me, um, it has to do with the home app. You, you won't find your HomePod settings in your settings menu. They will be in the home app. Yeah, I found that right right off the bat. I found that to be kind of counterintuitive. Like there, I expected right. there, like Apple Watch has an Apple Watch app. Mm -hmm. They This one, they didn't do that. And I, the home app is just a weird place to put it, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I guess yeah. it makes sense. I mean, I guess it's a smart home accessory. I don't know. It was, yeah, I, I would have liked to be able to access that in my settings. Um but if you, if you open the home app when you're having this error message come up a lot, um, it'll, it'll say something like reconfiguring or searching for, and it'll be kind of spinning. And if you just like let it do its thing, eventually at the bottom, um, it can take up to like half an hour, Jeez. you'll see a thing that basically says reconfigure. And so you tap that, it'll happen quickly, and then you're, for me at least, you know, the HomePod setup just went through without a glitch after that okay so right off the bat had some difficulties now that you're using it uh what let's start with overall impression would you give it uh how many stars would you give it i don't know i don't think i'm i don't think i'm there yet you're not um, ready to give it stars no um but you know it's interesting because i feel like there's really Finding those settings isn't intuitive, and then really there's almost nothing in those settings. Yeah, there's like, very few settings, I feel like which Apple is good and bad. It's de deliberately trying to make you talk to it mm -hmm. as the main way that you get your get your HomePod to do things, and that's taking some. I don't use Siri that much actually, unless I'm all by myself, because <laughs> it feels weird to just talk to your phone in front of other people. <laughs> um, Somehow I found talking to a speaker feels less weird. It does feel less weird. I think it's because part of the weird thing about talking to a phone is that it mishears you so much of the time. Uh, 
whereas the speaker seems to hear me better. So it's really embarrassing when you're sitting there trying to like uh, do something like five times and Siri can't hear you and everyone's staring at you. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> I find it, I think I've pinpointed the reason why I don't like using Siri. Okay. I find it very strange talking to what seems to me to be an entity with no emotional responses. If you're talking to a person, you're getting that feedback. If you're speaking to a dog, you're getting that feedback. It's like the uncanny you valley. Know, um, yeah. Try calling Siri Alexa. You will get emotion. But, <laughs> but that's just something a programmer put in to be funny. It's I, I think as AI marches along and you're able to have more of a real emotional interaction, I think that it will become more comfortable. Interesting. I think it will become creepier. Yeah, I think, like, I I think we're going like, low in the uncanny valley before we go higher for instance like you know when you look at robots the more lifelike they are the more creepy they are so that okay so i've used the word uncanny valley a couple times so that's a description of a a fun uh something that happens with ai and with robots which is as as it's kind of as it gets more realistic it gets more and more uh easy to use until it gets too realistic and then you have this valley where it's uncanny that's Mm -hmm. therefore it's uncanny where it's creepy and then if it gets even better than that then it's perfect and everybody loves it so like there's this kind of gap of if it's right in the wrong level of real realism that it's too real but doesn't feel real enough and that's the uncanny valley so i've just been figuring out how to you know interact. So I've had Siri read me the news and Mm -hmm. tell me about the weather and set alarms and play playlists. And um, so that's been interesting. And then, of course, there's the speaker experience. But Mm -hmm. I want to hear how your overall experience with the HomePod is so far. Yeah, I would say... (laughs) Sigh. Um, Complicated. (laughs) For the most part, the trade-offs are what I expected them to be, which is... It has the functionality it ha- because it's in the Apple ecosystem. Uh, there's a lot of advantages to it. One of them is, I think, ease of setup. Even though we had some failures, I think Apple will fix that, and it'll be easy to set up. It's easy to integrate. Like you didn't need to connect it to anything else. It just like was already built into your iCloud account. It can send text messages. It can do phone calls. Those are things that Alexa can't do very well. Alexa can only send text messages to Android, and even then it's kind of complicated. So what about Google Home? My understanding is I don't think either of them do it, but Mm -hmm. I could be wrong. I know I researched Alexa. I don't think either of them do it. Uh, The speaker quality is better than Mm -hmm. Alexa-ish. Well, I think let's save that for a little bit of separate conversation. So overall, I would say I like it. I'm enjoying having voice commands but it, the, what it can do is very limited which i expected uh and as as we'll get into i think the speaker is good but not amazing yeah um one common criticism i've seen is that you know the bass is really heavy yeah and then it just almost like disappears in the mid-range yeah and, and that's that was exactly my experience and mine too and the most frustrating part about that is there's no manual equalizer. Like they've decided it should just work. And so it just auto equalizes only, you know, kind of doesn't. Um, and so I compared, I actually have an audio testing playlist on my phone. So I, I went amazing. through with my um, UE Mega Boom, uh, which I love, and, and the Siri speaker. And 
Well, I felt like there was kind of a rich, like I felt like there was a fuller spectrum in terms of how high and low and rich it was. Yeah, like it couldn't, I preferred the Yui Bloom overall because, you know, I got like the full range of like with the mid ranges. And also I could go into the equalizer in the Yui app and that's ultimate ears and, um, and like pump up the bass or, you mm-hmm. know, I could adjust it so that it became even like better than. Yeah. So I, I went and I did the same thing. I have my Libertone zips, which I love. Uh, and so I brought up a Libertone zip and I played songs. I didn't, I don't have an audio testing playlist. Nobody told me about this. <laughs> so I just picked a whole kind of wide range of songs. I did kind of different genres. Uh, I had a similar experience. Experience-ish. Uh, the bass is phenomenal. I think it's a really impressive bass. Uh, but not all songs need to just be like... Boom, yeah. Boom, like yeah. No, room, but right? but yeah, but it's not like some headphones beats by Dre, for example, is guilty of this, where they'll really pump up the bass, which sounds great on hip-hop, but doesn't sound good on other things. I felt like the, the bass in the low le- end was a very rich sound that sounded mm-hmm. good in different genres. It wasn't just like a hip hop or techno bass. The mids and the highs got a little bit drowned out because of that. And the balance wasn't quite right. Now I, when, when I switched to the Libertone zips, uh, because the bass is so much better in the Apple HomePod, it ha- had overall, in my opinion, a richer sound that I think I preferred. Now the Libertone zips cost 250 bucks. Uh, the well, the well, HomePod costs 350. 350. Yeah. So the it's it, Libertone zips are coming out with Alexa built into it for 250 bucks, um, and and now. It will be. Uh, it won't have voice listening. So there's a lot of trade-offs at play. Point being, it sounded like a $250 speaker with a $100 Alexa or Home Smart built into it. So it sounded about what you'd expect, whereas it was supposed to kind of sound way better, in my opinion. Well, and there is actually a workaround um, that I discovered, which is instead of you know talking to Siri directly in the HomePod and saying, "Hey, play this playlist." Um, if you airplay the music from a computer or your phone, you know, you're, especially computers and Macs have like really good equalizer tools. And so you can, um, you can do that. You can go into your Apple music settings on your phone or on your computer and, and adjust mm-hmm. the bass and treble and, and, and that will, that should help with the differences but i feel annoyed that i have to do that yeah well and i i don't know that i'm quite there with you on that like to me i felt like it should have been a better speaker but overall i found the listening experience to be better than libertones which i've been using anyway so it was more like is it worth the money for the premium speaker when it's not necessarily better but i don't think the sound quality was like terrible to the point where i would necessarily go fuss with settings to adjust it Personally, I, was, I mean, it's it's a good speaker. Yeah, it's a exactly, and so like just to frame that, it's a very nice speaker, but you're paying three hundred fifty dollars, and so it's it just limited to kind of switch gears. It's limited in other functionalities. Okay, but speaking of other functionalities, um, do you feel? I feel more inspired now to start. I haven't really bothered setting up a smart home. Like I have a couple of smart lights that are programmed to turn on and off at certain times, but I really haven't bothered. Beyond that, setting up a, heart, a smart home, and now that I can just talk to Siri, you know, and set up these scenes, and then mm-hmm. just tell Siri what to do, I feel a lot more motivated. What about you? 
I've been, I'm pretty into my little smart home. I don't have too much set up, but I have a Nest thermostat. I have a uh, two smart plugs, one each one connected to a heater in my bathroom, one connected to heater in my bedroom. And so I very frequently am turning on and off the heaters in my bedroom and bathroom with Siri. And so that's part of why I put the uh, my HomePod in my bedroom because then I can adjust it. So I really like that. To talk about a couple things I like about HomePod because I think it wasn't a it wasn't about experience. It's just complicated. First of all, it the accuracy of hearing you was very high, mm-hmm. uh, and that's something that they did a lot of tests on, and they found it to be higher than both um, Alexa and. Google Home, which surprised me. The accuracy was higher, but what it could do was lower. So it could do about 52% of the tasks they asked, whereas Alexa and Google Home could do, I think, like 80 or 90. So, okay, I like that. I like that it could hear me well, um, and, and I definitely plan on using it for smart home stuff. But again, they don't have skills, which means I can't connect Nest to it. Um. And, you know, the, also a couple other things that bothered me, things that sh- Apple should have done that would have given it an advantage because it's in the ecosystem w- was connected to other apps that are built into your phone, like your calendar, for example. Adding things to your calendar, yeah, you can't, you can't that. do that, which is hmm. crazy to me. Uh, you also can't use the podcast app. Also crazy to me. So these are things that I think will be fixed, but... Apple should have I mean, done it. You can airplay podcasts, but again, like you shouldn't have to. So, yeah, you can airplay. Another thing I really like about the speaker is airplay up until now has been a mostly unreliable medium for me. Do you have any airplay speakers? No, this is my first. Okay, and, and for the most part, people stopped using them. It was really popular when airplay first came out, but then it got a little bit unpopular because it, it kind of dropped a lot. Uh, this is a much more reliable way of using it. I like AirPlay over Bluetooth because, A, you don't have to deal with pairing as much. So sometimes Bluetooth tries to grab your sound quality, tries to grab your sound from your phone when you don't want it to. It, like, auto-pairs from you. Mm -hmm. Uh, It can be complicated to kind of uh, be paired with multiple things at the same time. You can do that. But in general, I like AirPlay. It's also a high fidelity streaming. So in theory, it's a higher quality audio. Uh, so the fact that that AirPlay works for me, I really like. Um, but you know, I like to have people over to my home and give them access to my Bluetooth speakers. And if they have an Android phone, they can't AirPlay things. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Which, you know, if you don't like their taste in music, could be handy. Um, <laughs> because <laughs> anyone who asks your HomePod to play music can actually influence the music uh, Siri chooses to play for you later. Although you can go into the Home app and uh, 3D touch the HomePod uh, icon and go to details and turn off listening history. And that will preserve your own carefully curated music preferences. <laughs> so that's like a precautionary measure to mm. take if a friend is coming over that's going to be abusing the HomePod privileges. <laughs> How have you found, because I one of my major complaints that I haven't even said because it's so obvious is that I use Spotify and I can't use Spotify with it and I'm really like 
annoyed about it. Yeah. Well, I can airplay it, but the whole point of having a smart speaker, because I'm paying extra for a smart speaker, is to be able to use voice to control it. Uh, How have you found Apple Music with it? Has it been nice controlling with voice? I mean, it's interesting uh, to find out what my musical preferences are. You know, if you're just like, hey, Siri, play some music. Um, It's an interesting combo of music. (laughs) Um, You know, because I have like playlists that are like, I run to this music and that's not music I would necessarily listen to the rest of the time, but it gets me going or yeah. So there's, it's, it's interesting uh, what Siri thinks I want to listen to, but generally um, it works really well as long as I remember the names of the playlists, because I, I don't particularly love what Siri thinks I want to listen to altogether. Mm. But that's, that's more of an Apple music thing. That's just, you know, if you run almost daily at your, your Apple Music is going to think that you want to listen to that music a lot. And have you tested, you, you said play me music, have you tested other requests? What, what types of requests? Can you ask it to play a playlist yeah. or a song? Or you can ask yeah. it to name different uh, genres, I think. I haven't tried genres, but um, I'm assuming I should, I'll try that. But yeah, <laughs> I've, I've tried playlists, specific songs, um, just play music. One thing I read online that uh, I it didn't occur to me to be concerned about, but is a very valid concern in my opinion, is that it the HomePod doesn't have voice, it doesn't can't recognize specific right. voices. So the benefit of it is you can send texts and you can make phone calls, uh, but because it can't recognize specific voices, anybody can w- then walk up to your phone and say, "Listen to my text messages," and it'll just read them off to you. I mean, that's why. I mean, I feel like Apple's has the idea that we're going to have like home pods all over our house. Um, and so, you know, that's why I put my home pod in my bedroom too, because, and that one is set up to only to, is that one is set up to let me do text messages mm-hmm. and things like that. But if I were to have it in a public part of my house, I mean, public as in like people besides me, um, <laughs> I don't think I would enable that. Yeah, and that's but that's frustrating because that's a pretty major advantage of HomePod over the competition is that you can do things like that. Yeah, and for sure, I think voice recognition would be great. I mean, we sort of have that on the iPhone with Hey Siri. Although, to be honest, every time anyone says Hey Siri in our office, everyone's phone. Like, <laughs> yes. Well, and that that's what they were saying online too. The article I was reading was, uh, it was a Verge article. We can link to it too. It's a great kind of full, more in-depth roundup than we have time to do on a podcast. Uh, And he was saying that, you know, hypothetically at least, hey, Siri recognizes voice on the iPhone. Why did they not bake that in? Yeah, because it doesn't do a good job recognizing voices, basically. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. Uh, Any other thoughts before I ask for your kind of closing, should you buy it or not? Mm, No. Okay. Should you buy it or not? I think it really depends. Um, it depends on how into the Apple ecosystem you are, including the other people in your life who are in your home, um, because they, they won't be able to use it mm-hmm. if they don't have an iPhone. Um, it depends how much of a fan you are of HomeKit and setting up a smart home. If you're a huge fan, I think it's a big advantage. Um, and then, you know, if you're just really into like you know the having the latest gear then yeah you should buy it um i i think i think it will get better it's Mm -hmm. expensive and there's the speaker quality is not as awesome as we were led to believe although it's still really good so i don't know 
Yeah. Can I tell you my frustrating conclusion? What? I think that it has enough potential to convince me that it eventually will be better than Alexa and Google Home for iPhone users. I think that when they add third-party skills, and I believe they will, because they have on the Apple Watch, they have, obviously, they have apps on the phone. Uh, when they add more functionality, like Calendar, uh, I think it'll be worth it to buy it. Uh, and so what's annoying about that is I think it's, if you're an early adopter, it's worth owning. It's fun to own. I'm enjoying having it. But it's hard to, if you're kind of a just everyday user who isn't, like, psyched about always buying the new uh, gear right away it's hard to justify spending $350 on it but it's also hard to justify buying an Alexa when you know that it's going to be better or an Echo when you know that it's going to be better it's hard to justify buying a high quality speaker that isn't a HomePod when you know that HomePod is going to be better like I think that HomePod actually it convinced me more than I thought that it was a promising product for Apple in the future but it's not there but because it has so much promise in the future, I kind of want to just, like, it's hard for me to tell everybody just not buy any speakers for a year or two. But that's sort of, like, the best recommendation I have. So I I have a problem with, okay. with your, like, it's going to be better than Alexa. Yeah. If, I mean, if you're spending $350 on a high-quality speaker, you probably intend to have that speaker for, you know, at least a few years, mm-hmm. right? Which means for those few years, you are locked into Apple. You have to... You know, if you upgrade your phone, you have to go to iPhone again. Mm-hmm. Um, with Alexa, it will work with your iPhone, and then you're not locked into the Apple ecosystem. Yeah, no, I think I I, I did preface it, and, and it's a very good preface to make sure we're highlighting. This is assuming that you're committed to the Apple ecosystem. If you are someone who goes back and forth between Android or iPhone, if you have people who have multiple devices in your home that want to be able to use it, some are Android – you're not going to use the speaker. You were never going to buy the speaker, and you definitely shouldn't buy the speaker. Uh, but if you're someone who's pretty invested in the Apple ecosystem, and to be honest, I think it you kind of with Apple, you either buy in or you don't, in my opinion. Like, are you like if you go in on the a- iPhone, it, you don't have to do this, but like you get so many advantages by having everything be Apple, <laughs> which is annoying because it's expensive. But I think a lot of people end up in that camp where they're either Google or Android or Apple people. And if you're an Apple person, you have the iPhone, maybe you have an Apple Watch, maybe you have a Mac, maybe you have an iPad. If you're already committed to the Apple ecosystem, I think this speaker is going to be way better for you than Alexa. I think it could end up being a little bit like, for me at least, like the Apple Watch, which you know I got the original one and... At first, I was kind of like, I don't, I don't get this. Like, I don't mm-hmm. see how this adds value to my life, and it, you know, third-party apps don't work at all, and all these things. But at this point, it is my number one favorite iPhone accessory. Um, yeah, I, I'm like obsessed with it. I like feel almost as naked as I do without my phone when I'm not wearing my and, Apple Watch. And I had the same experience. I have that same experience with the Apple Watch, and also I, I know you're getting an iPad and coming up, right? You don't own one. I'm just waiting to see if they announce anything later yeah. this year. Um, Which but, I think they will. I think that's smart. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's my next big Apple. But I is. had the same experience with that as well, where if you have an iPhone and you have a computer, you don't really need an iPad. But I love it, and I love using it every day. And so I think it might be in the same boat for me with the HomePod. My fear is with an iPad is that it's not always seen as a personal device in the way that an iPhone is. And anytime I've like 
talked about getting an iPad, my daughter's eyes light up. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. getting an iPad, and I'm like, mm, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it would be okay maybe if if you could have multi-user accounts, and I feel like it's ridiculous that you can't at least on an iPad. But you know, I don't really love the idea of of being logged into you know with my account to an iPad and then everyone in my house having access to it. Mm-hmm. I know my daughter certainly does not respect the sanctity of the iPad. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that I think that does it. Uh, Leanne, have we convinced you to buy a HomePod from this conversation? No, <laughs> no. Sorry, I think that um, I'm I'm still really interested in in using the iPhone and the iPad but like I said the the lack of emotion from trying to talk to Siri I I barely use Siri on my iPhone mm-hmm. even it just it creeps me out and actually the idea of AI sort of creeps me out as well so I'm not sure if I'm eager for Siri to be more emotional <laughs> at all that's fair um <laughs> I will say that I enjoy using Siri on the HomePod a lot more. And that, to me, is one of the things I did really well. Even if I have a song playing, it does understand me and hear me. So I, uh, not that, if you don't like Siri, don't like Siri. But if you hypothetically want to like Siri but are not enjoying using it on your phone, you may enjoy it more on the HomePod. Mm-hmm. I, I know we asked a question about battery life, but um, I also want to hear from our listeners. Yeah, I was going to say that. What about you? Are you going to get the HomePod? Do you have it? How do you like it? Um, email us at podcasts. iPhone. Can you just say the email address? You got it right. Podcast <laughs> at iPhoneLife.com. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>